and welcome to the preeminent Marxist and feminist podcast. I'm Hannah Burley, and I'm here with my good friend and close colleague, Jen Isaacson. Hello. And today we're talking about how we as socialists peak transed, which means we realized that gender identity, transgenderism, and various and sundry associated beliefs were nonsense. And usually it's described as a peak because you reach a peak of what you can tolerate and then you step away. I just Googled preeminent, surpassing all others, very distinguished in some way. Exactly. Well, I mean, I'm not sure how many others there are. <laughs> self, heaping self praise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, how did you peak trans, Jen? I peaked trans really in different levels over a number of years. Yeah, same. So I had always thought, I didn't really think about it too much, right? I'm, th- I'm talking like 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. Transgenderism was not really a thing. And I was at Goldsmiths and it wasn't really a thing. And Goldsmiths is like, I'm trying to think of an American or Canadian equivalent, like Sarah Lawrence College, like really lefty, really artsy really very liberal liberal very countercultural very cool it kind of yeah it's this idea that they're often ahead of the trend and it's the cool kids and everyone does like visual arts or didn't you say there was some experience you had where you're like i can't believe you someone said to you i can't believe you hang out with people who dress like that or something similar oh yeah yeah probably i'm remembering like several examples yeah yeah of course Everyone there was more into, well, fashion, but hipster, hipster fashion, really. Right. So anyway, at Goldsmiths at the time, it wasn't like it was a big deal. And I just remember as an undergrad being around LGB stuff. And then they added the T. And I remember the only people that were against it, this was nationally within the Union of Students, the only people against it seemed to be gay men, strangely enough, quite conservative, I think, gay men. I just thought, well, I guess a lot of society would see them as gay or some variant. Yeah. So I guess it makes sense. I never thought, oh, this is a new gender thing. I just thought this is some kind of gay. Yeah. Right? Like a shade of gay. I thought a lot of gay people cross-dress. I guess some of those people are calling themselves transgender. It's just the gay people who are convincingly look like the opposite sex or something. Or who want to, or something like that. And there was a woman that I knew that was actually the vice president of the Women's Society and then decided that she was a trans man after watching a documentary at the Lesbian and Gay Film Festival in London. And she just said, oh, I just, there was a list at the end of whether you were trans and I just was so many of them. And actually, this woman was incredibly feminine. She just happened to be tall. She was like six foot. She kind of sashayed across rooms I remember going to bar whatever with her that was like this like lesbian but really queer. It was like probably a lesbian bar originally and then became a queer bar in King's Cross. I don't even know if it still exists. I remember her going there and she started binding and I went there and there was like some weird BDSM stuff in the background. It was all a bit posery. That was it. So even as a kind of 19-year-old that I'd bought into the liberal narrative of like, look, there's just some people who feel a certain way. And they feel more comfortable to live as the opposite sex. And sometimes they do medical things to replicate that because it means so much to them. And and that was it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I didn't want to think about why. I just thought, okay, fine. Like, what do I care? I didn't think, are they really the opposite sex? Are they not? Just none of these questions came up. But I remember thinking that bar whatever was full of posers and that this friend of mine I remember saying to her once, look, it just seems like bullshit. You are a woman with a very high voice and you kind of sashay across rooms. You're not very masculine. Yeah. And she just said, well, I'm a faggot. I was like, but you're not. You're not. You're just a, because you're tall or something. Is this why you have small breasts? This is why you think you're a man? Anyway, she was just a, 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 a massive narcissist, mm. which... I mean, people don't understand what narcissism is. It's not about loving yourself. It's really that you can't. Yeah. And for her, she was just very fixated on herself. You know, she took precedent over other people always within her 
psychic universe and you know her ex-girlfriend had just sort of started flirting with this stuff and her girlfriend was Camberwell doing art and Camberwell is even cooler than Goldsmiths. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it was like behind the trend and she kind of said, oh, I just hate that, like, you know, Laura's always doing what I'm doing. And it's just girls copying each other at school a bit and then going, oh, she copied me. And I said, but look, Laura did it before you. She was like, "Mm." and then one of her friends who was a trans man by this point stopped speaking to her when she decided she was one. Because again, it's like, you're wearing my t-shirt. You know how girls are in school, this kind of thing. Anyway, so I just thought, well, this person's just, you know, up themselves and that's her interest. And I always had this real reaction against queer stuff because I thought it seemed juvenile and exactly narcissistic. And I think being from the north of England, from the particular place I'm from, there's just, there's no tolerance for like smiling in photos. I used to get <laughs> called a poser because I would smile in a photo. Yeah. The idea then that you would be navel gazing and thinking about yourself and be like, oh, I'm this and actually I'm that. It was just anathema to me. Yeah. Basically. And so I always had this real, not over laden, but kind of just cynical response a little bit of like, oh, this is bullshit. And I remember once this woman, and her name was Gemma, telling me about, oh yeah, Tommy, this was like some little drag king that used to go to bar, whatever. Tommy, yeah. Tommy only dates supermodels. And I was like, that fat little drag king that sellotapes his own hair to his face. (laughs) And then I remember being at bar, whatever, and seeing Tommy getting off with a woman who was definitely like at least a size 18, definitely not a supermodel. Sure, she's a very nice woman, but she was not the height of conventionally attractive in our society. And I was like, I pointed this out, was like, only dope supermodels. And then I remember there was this bar, whatever, club night, this club called Egg, The Egg, that you had to like get some bus to at 2am in the morning. Anyway, I went, I was really drunk by the time I got there, I think. And Tommy was on the door and there was this thing that if you dressed like, it was, it was, it was, um, this is so heterosexual, actually, quote unquote, that the theme was mafia, like dons and moles. Isn't mole a word for the girlfriends of the men in the mafia? I guess. So this was the theme, right? And I guess it was a little bit butch and femme in that one of you dressed like, a member of the mob, and then you, right. the mo- your mall. Anyway, so I was like, I'll just wear some black trousers, a white shirt, and a kind of black jacket. So I turned up looking either like a Hasidic Jew or like I was there, for, <laughs> or like I was there for a funeral, like a black. T- I mean, I don't know how the mafia dress. Anyway, I don't know what it was, but Tommy, because I was, and then you got in free, right? If you dressed up in this theme, right? So that's why I did it. And I remember Tommy was there on the front door with her little clipboard and she was like, oh, I don't really know if your outfit counts. And I was like, sorry, what? I was like, do you think I wear like a white shirt, black tie generally? And I was like, well, I don't know. <laughs> it's just anyway, I just remember having this kind of thing where she was like, oh, you know, I don't know if we should let you just in free for that. And it wasn't banter. It was like, I'm going to have a thing with you. And I just remember being like, okay, will you stop me walking in? And I knocked the clipboard out of her hand. And I remember thinking, this is such bullshit. You're acting like you're this big macho bouncer. You're barely up to my shoulders. And it's all about being prissy and having the right fucking outfit on. Like, this is so feminine. It's unreal. Anyway, in the egg... I just think I got really drunk and then I remember getting off with some woman and then being a bit unsure whether it was a woman and I remember she kept kissing me and I kept taking her picture (laughs) and then I kept looking at the camera being like, this this person has quite like a big nose, is this like quite a prominent masculine nose? Anyway, and then I was just really drunk and I walked off and then I remember I vomited in front of all of these pristinely dressed (laughs) drag kings. I just vomited all over like a booth, like not Not even in the corner, like on chairs, like leather (laughs) chairs. I remember thinking, oh, God. I was like, okay, I need to go. And I remember going back home and just vomiting on the bus. And I was at the front of the bus and it was, the sick was trickling on the floor all the way down to the back of the bus, like rivers of sick. 
And then I got three hours sleep because I had to be at an anti-National Front demo the following morning at 9am. That was the first anti-fascist demonstration I ever went to. And of course, because I was like 19, you just think, well, I'll go out and then, yeah. I'll, and then I'll get up early and that'll be fine. And I just remember having a huge hangover. But I, I basically thought this is bullshit. Yeah. The way these people are behaving is performative and bullshit. Like this little fart that tried to like make me pay a fee to get in. And in the end, I just was like, what do you, what do you think this is? And I just was like, you're a little dumpling. If either of us are really going to be compared to like who's most looks like they're in the mafia, it's not going to be you, right? Right. If if there's a competition, which would be a ridiculous competition anyway, because it's like a fairy versus a dumpling, but I'm <laughs> but I'm winning. And I just thought it's just a fucking joke, and all of it really. And I I remember another experience I had in my first year. So I went out then to the candy bar, which is a lesbian club. So all these people go lesbian clubs. Yeah, that's a big thing. All the trans men just went to lesbian clubs. Lesbian clubs don't exist now, thanks a lot, transgenderism. But when they did, they all went. So I remember me, this high-pitched Gemma woman, and then her friend Jamie and Jamie's girlfriend Maggie, Maggie Zimmerman. They were both Americans, right? Maggie mm. and Jamie. And they were like a butch femme couple. And Maggie was another one of these, like, I think under five foot but identified as trans. Yeah. And used to try and bully Gemma by going up to her and Jamie and saying, hello, ladies, because she knew that Gemma didn't want that to happen because Gemma was pretending to be a man at this point or pretending to not be a woman in her head. And she would say, oh, you know, it's really horrible. I don't know why she says this to me. Anyway, Jamie and Maggie were in an open relationship. I guess I knew that. And I just remember going to the candy bar and then Jamie kind of sat on my knee the entire evening. I didn't realise she was coming on to me. I had to be told this afterwards because I just thought it's loud in the nightclub and she just won't need to speak into my ears. Right. I had no idea. I would know now at the time, very innocent, very naive. Anyway, when we were outside, Maggie had obviously observed this, that her girlfriend was coming on to me. And she decided to do this little, like, I'll try and insult you. Because I always dress in a boyish way, she clearly thought I was trying to do what they were doing, which was pretend I was a man. Right. And she came up and I, Jamie had said, oh, I'm just going to the toilet. Will you hold my handbag? So I was holding this, like, gold handbag, whatever. <laughs> Fine. Just stood outside the lesbian candy bar. And Maggie came over and said, that really suits you. And I was said, sorry. She went, that handbag, it really suits you. And I, just, I said, are you taking the piss? <laughs> and she was, uh, so this is like liberal American dweeb versus like... Barnsley. Barnsley, <laughs> northern pissed off woman after like two, three drinks. And I was just like, what? As I said, you think this handbag suits me? And she was like, y- yes. It, it, by this point, she was realising this was not going as she thought it would be because she thought I was going to react in a feminine way, as Gemma had, which is where she just absorbed the insults and then, like, gossiped about it later and yeah. alleviated herself by telling a friend about it. And I just said, like, yeah, are you taking the piss? You're trying to say that this sparkly handbag suits me. And she was like, uh, uh yes. <laughs> and I just said, I'm sorry. But my entire life, since I was about seven, I've been called a boy or a man. I am not... I was like, I know that this doesn't suit me, but I don't care if it fucking did. I was like, I'm not playing your little games. I'm not here to pretend to be anything that I'm not. I'm not trying to do something, so you can't try and tell me that I'm not managing it and I'm still looking like a big girly queen and that a handbag suits me. But I also know it fucking doesn't because I'm mistaken for a man constantly you little twerp and she just kind of was like ah sorry i was like don't be sorry just shut up yeah and this was the end of it but as soon as i just said look this is a game and i'm not playing it you i can't lose in the game and you can't convince me i'm losing in the game because i'm not trying to be anything i'm not and that was what I saw. It was just a load of quite girly women. Yeah. That were lesbians. or But then they were like, oh, but I have short hair or something. And then they would try and take on this kind of confabulation of, 
I'm a trans man. This is before the non-binary stuff, right? Because obviously now they've all detransitioned and gone back to non-binary. Because yeah. they turned 30 and it wasn't fun anymore. Um, but I just thought, this is just such bullshit. It doesn't go anywhere. Why do they even think that I'm in it? People at Goldsmiths would come up to me and, I don't know, like we'd be in a circle of people speaking and one woman would say, oh, are you a boy? And I'd be like, what? And I, then I'd be like, what do you mean? And then they wouldn't explain it. And I'd be like, no, no, explain to me. Do you mean like B-O-I? Like that's some kind of boyish lesbian thing? Are you actually asking me if I'm a young male? And then they wouldn't, because as soon as they find out that you're like, no, no, sorry, I'm not buying into this yeah, shit. Yeah. They suddenly retreat because they're like, oh my God, oh my God. And it's it's just it's just bizarre. I just hate it because all of these people are a total conformist at school, right? Um, they were not the ones most of the time getting called like boys and being made. I had the YMCA song sang at me. Yeah. At like age 13 yeah. by boys. I would have like people draw cartoons of David Beckham and then hand me it and be like, you. Well, I was just like, well, David Beckham's very good looking, so thank you. <laughs> like, but there was just this like, yeah, these kind of conformists weren't like that at school because they couldn't stand the opposition a lot of the time. And then when they got to university, they were like, oh, no, this is this fun thing we can take on. And it would just be presumed that I was involved in it and that my values were theirs and that I wanted to conform. I wanted to think about myself or decide what kind of character I was in this, like, main, you know, like this, like, main character. The in syndrome. A, yeah, yeah I, I don't have that. I don't think I'm in my own TV series. And I remember even Gemma, before she decided she was a man, she used to say, oh, I just want everyone around college to say, who's that girl? And she would wear this, like, hat on a certain angle. <laughs> and she'd be like, oh, you know, I need to start a new image, starting with a, a perfume. This is the girliest bullshit I have ever heard in my life. And like, yeah. I, I was just like, oh, what is this? This is terrible. And I remember even, like, losing some weight in my first year, because I just used to go out. I used to play basketball and go out clubbing. And because I was a skin student, I didn't used to eat all day before I went out, apart from like one piece of bread to line my stomach, so that when I went out, I didn't have to buy as many drinks mm. to get drunk, right? So I, I lost a lot of weight. And I remember even some of them like coming up to me and like putting their hand up my top at the back to like check if I was wearing a binder. It's like, no, I've just lost weight and my small breasts have now got smaller. Yeah. And I think I was so thin at one point, it did look like I had like a board or something or like a book up the, yeah. my jumper. But it's like, it's so invasive. It's so insidious. There was all this weird game playing of, you know, I remember Gemma telling me, oh, I'm jealous of you because you can play basketball and you can like, you fix that door at the union the other day. Well, I'm sorry, mate, if I'm not completely fucking useless, but it's that she associated uselessness with being a woman. Right. And that therefore the fact that she couldn't catch a ball or like fix a door was was almost like, oh, well, that means that uh, I'm less of a man. And I remember she put on this burlesque event for, like, LGBT oh, month. God, the burlesque thing was such a moment. That, the, like, they don't talk about burlesque as much, but there was a no. moment in, like, early queer stuff yeah. where they loved burlesque. I remember there was a burlesque event for International Women's Day, and I remember going with some Marxist I knew at the time and just being like... Well, it's just what? it's just stripping for goth girls, fat girls, yeah. and other types of girls that men don't always fancy. Yeah. And they're like, I get to feel sexy yeah. the first time in my life, and that's what really matters to me. And she kind of just did this thing where she sat on a chair, like, right in front of the woman. Who was her friend that she didn't fancy? Mm. And it was just this thing of, like, I need to objectify women in order to be a man. And it was just all this regressive crap, and I just sort of, I felt... Such opposition to all of it. The queerish stuff, the trans stuff. There wasn't any of it that was appealing to me. But then these are the days, I guess, that... I mean, there was the internet. There was MySpace, Facebook, whatever. But whatever has attracted young gender non-conforming lesbians to it, I couldn't see one thing I found attractive. Yeah, it's interesting. And is that kind of what you would say you're peaked moment where you kind of realized it was mostly nonsense so that was my starting point yeah and so i never bought in but as time went on you know it's like i watched boys don't cry yeah i found it a very good film i cried we all cried da -da -da. and i bought in that liberal narrative and i would say that it was only in about 
2014, when the trans stuff kicked off, that I started slowly, it's like chips fall away from it, fell away from it, basically. And I kept looking for this liberal narrative trans person. It was just someone who didn't have mental health issues, wasn't a fetishist, didn't want to, you know, um, didn't hate themselves or wasn't a, didn't buy into gender roles or whatever. And I just kept thinking, well, they must be out there. I just haven't met them out of all the trans people I've met. And then I thought I met them and it was Charlie Kiss who stood for the Green Party in my constituency where I was living at the time in King's Cross. And I basically, did I campaign for her? I don't know. But I remember thinking, oh, it's her. She seems normal. Seems like basically a funny little man. Like she was, you know, five foot three, balding, past in this respect because of yeah. the balding. I think was like a plumber or something had taken on some classically male occupation. And I thought, oh, this is the the trans per- the authentic trans person I've been looking for. And then I found out that Charlie had been in that psychiatric units throughout the 1980s. And that was kind of one of the final straws for me because I just thought, I can't find them. It's been 10 years. Yeah. I have not come across them, even though I've been at Goldsmiths and even though I've been involved with student things. And I remember even being like cool with gender neutral bathrooms. I remember as like the student editor allowing just a debate about it and people were so furious. But the reason I allowed a debate debate on paper about it is because I thought that the guy that had written against it had done a bad job. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's good. We should let them do. And then just the amount of misogyny I got, only in retrospect do I understand why. I do remember the time thinking, but we have debates about immigration. We have debates about Israel-Palestine. Yeah. All these really contentious issues. You know, I remember doing a debate like, does is, um, because people talk about does, uh, does Israel have a right to exist? It was called, does Palestine have a right to exist? Hmm. Just, you know, these kind of, uh, things that people, you know, often um, are issues that you can get backlash about. Nothing was like it compared to this gender neutral toilets thing. And I was very clear about saying, oh, no, I'm fine with it. Like, whatever. Because I just didn't think about these things that much. I was sort of an on and off feminist, but ultimately a socialist, and as inconsistently. And I didn't think about this. I no, never went. kind of my I never too. went down the rabbit hole. And then in about, yeah, 2014, 15... I realised I couldn't find this and I just kept seeing, you know, people, the only people speaking sense about this were the radical feminists. And I remember seeing Julia Long on Channel 4 against Jack Monroe. And I was like, my God, I am 100% on that side. Yeah. And then it just sort of, that was it really from sort of 2016, 17 onwards. Yeah, I think, goodness, where do I start? I mean, I think it was the same for me in that it was a death by a thousand cuts thing. And because there's this constantly moving goalpost of like, no one can tell you what trans is. No one can tell you what being a trans woman is. No one can tell, like, I couldn't ever nail it down. So I could never really have a critique of it. I just kind of had these experiences. And I think the first person that I met who was calling themselves trans was this lesbian we worked at a grocery store together and she said that she was a trans man. Sometimes she would bind these like enormous breasts and that she also would say that she was a lesbian and she would also talk to me about like lesbian things. So I was just like, I think from that, and I also knew that she was really, really mentally ill. Like she really was having a very hard time in her life. And I think, and she was someone who was really into Tumblr and she was someone who was really into, like, gross, weird fan fiction. I remember she was making jokes with me about, like, gross kind of bestiality fan fiction. And I just thought, like, okay, this person is just, like, quite ill and, like, too online. Mm. And I thought maybe, like, okay, well, this is what this is. I don't think I ever believed in, like, a sex change. You talk to some women who are like, oh, I really did believe that you could, like, change sex. Like, I thought that that was a thing. I never believed that. And I think once it became part of the LGB thing and became LGBT, I just thought these are mentally ill gay people who would have an, it's a nice thing to do to like, um, to what's the word, entertain them with this idea. Politeness. It's like a polite thing to do to be like, okay, you're really mentally ill. If you want to be called 
somebody like if you're if you're a woman who wants to be called a man or vice versa this is like a nice thing this is like a way to like accommodate you yeah. basically and i remember like i think i can track my evolution with this question along with my kind of relationship with feminism because i was really there was a time on t- i was also on tumblr and i did get really into feminist tumblr when i was a teenager and I found a lot of the things they said to be really about beauty standards, about marriage, about heterosexuality, whatever. I found these to be very, like, provocative and interesting. And I kind of had this interest in feminism and, and the women question in general. But I couldn't ever find these women. I didn't know where they were. I didn't know what books they had written. I didn't know who the figures were to, like, look for. But I kind of had this idea that there was a thing called the radical feminist and they had interesting things to say. And I had it in the back of my mind. And I remember I got so... There was a woman who came and spoke to our university class, our college class. It was a, a professional qualification I was doing. And she spoke about prostitution. And she was so convincing. And so... I had never encountered someone who like who, who was so brave in the face of like opposition. And wasn't apologetic. And didn't do qualifications and someone would have a question and she'd be like yes right okay i'm zeroing in on you what's your objection i'm going to defeat it right now and by the end of like the two three hours i was completely convinced on the prostitution question like completely convinced that the nordic model was the right way that it was a form of violence against women it was do you want to say who it was i don't remember who it was i would say hila kerner from it wasn't hila kerner it was another another time I, i heard hila speak about it as well at one point but and yeah so i remember thinking like the radical feminists were really, really correct on prostitution. And I read all these things that they had said on Tumblr that were really interesting. Maybe these radical feminists have something to say about trans That's that that is meaningful. But I kind of parked it. Yeah. Because, like, at the time, I was really involved with this Marxist group. I was really getting very interested in socialism. And I thought that socialism and communism... And Marxism is like a method, was like the grand theory of everything. Yeah, I thought that. That, that well. explained everything. And I remember everyone was starting to get really enamored with identity politics and like critical race theory and all this stuff. And I thought, oh, but like they haven't found the way, the truth, and the light. Like Marxism is the thing. And once they figure it out, it's my responsibility to tell everyone about this. And once they figure it out, no one will be concerned with any of these identity politics things. Right. And, like, I remember thinking, I remember them talking about feminism and they would kind of that thing of, like, oh, well, she's a feminist. And I thought, like, oh, these are part of that group that just haven't heard about Marxism yet. But I also had this reservation in the back of my mind, but they're so right on prostitution mm. and all of these people are so wrong. But it felt like to have any of these objections was just, like... I felt it felt like turning the apple cart. Like everyone's going in this direction. Like why do you have to have these difficult questions? Mm. And I remember the whole thing with rape relief, Vancouver rape relief was going on, which for those who don't know is a um, rape crisis line and women's shelter in Vancouver who basically refuse to have trans women enter. They do they do biological women only, and they had and they also only allow women to be volunteers there and peer counselors there, and they had a a person, a man who sued them in the nineties for not letting them be, not letting him become a counselor there. And I remember every time it would come up in discussion, I'd be like, Oh, but like I heard Gila speak about it. Gila Kerner speak about it. And she seems to just say that she doesn't mind what other people do, but this is just for them. I don't really understand. Like if there's 18 different other services these people can have, like what's the problem. And it was really weird because I never got any, opposition really i just it just became silence and changed the subject and it was just like those women are bad they have bad politics they hate trans people let's change the topic so i i was really and i remember there was this woman who um this woman who was a, a trade unionist she had worked in a trade union forever. She was this older woman and people would say, oh, she's great, but she's a turf. She's a turf. And I remember think, thinking, okay, great. I can get this from like the horse's mouth. Rather than like hearing what the people say, I want to hear the argument. I want to have a discussion about this and no one will have a discussion about it with me. Maybe she's the person to ask. 
because they're so right about prostitution. I don't really understand what's wrong with what Gila said. Like, what? what is the... I want to hear what the full political argument is. And we were at this party. It was at this barbecue. And I went up to her. I wish I could remember her name. I really can't remember her name. But I went up to her and I said, hey, so what? what is this stuff about trans? Like, can you explain to me, like, your position? Like, what do you mean by that? And I remember she got one sentence out and just said, um, well, she's like, well, you can't identify out of male privilege. You can't just decide. And someone behind her went, did like a, like a hand at the neck, like, stop, stop right now. Stop talking about this kind of motion. And it was like, to you, to me. And I was just like, whoa, like, what have I done that was so wrong? And I kept having these interactions where I was like, well, why can't anyone just have the discussion with me? And it was at the same time that I was thinking about like, feminism in general, and the woman question, and like, are women, is women's oppression its own kind of own kind of access does it really happen through capitalism like are men beating their wives because they're very sad about capitalism that doesn't seem very like comprehensive to me like what is your theory and i started to try and read more marxist feminist stuff like i started reading engels and federici and vogel and other people and it was all about reproduction and i was just thinking well if women aren't female (laughs) then like how, what if women don't have the ability to reproduce as like an exclusive characteristic to women, then none of this makes any sense. And I remember I had a conversation with someone and she was just like, Oh, well you can just be like Megan Murphy and like, go make a career off of this. Like this is like such a, you're picking on a vulnerable group. Like I understand you're Cause I got into this back and forth with her over the phone. And then at the end she's like, yeah, I could just be like Megan Murphy, whatever. And I was like, okay, fine but i never heard of megan murphy so then i <laughs> so, I looked up- so she was being dismissive and actually she'd highlighted megan murphy to you and then you were googling megan, megan murphy, murphy and it was like oh feminist current great and then i like watched megan murphy and i was like oh right yes megan murphy is absolutely correct but i think i never bought trans women or women and i never bought trans men or men and i always had like this weird like, this objection in my mind that i couldn't articulate And as I, like, it just became one of those things where it was harder and harder and harder to Mm. kind of negotiate. And I went, I I remember I went, I had a friend who was on the board of Pride in Vancouver, and we used to go to all the different Pride events. And so me, I I didn't know it was, but my friend said, be here at such and such time, there's a Pride march. I said, okay, I went, it was a trans Pride march. (laughs) I didn't know. So pictures of me come out from this trans Pride march, I really didn't know what I was getting into. (laughs) And I was kind of like, okay, well, this is that. And I'm finally going to find out today what all of these people are about. And they did, they were doing the march and they were chanting something about no something, no something, no turfs on the drive. Commercial drive is like the cool part of Vancouver. No fascists, no turfs on the drive. And I remember even the people I was with, the communists I was with, we all kind of looked at each other and went, well, they're not fascists. Like, that's like a different... That's a different group. And then the actual rally was a really weird thing where they were all talking about education and this special school and how we have to talk to kids. And then all the people around were like had serious, severe and persistent mental illnesses, Mm. like people literally like responding to voices and like doing things like as this was going on. And I just thought like this, this is the last time I go to one of these but I just had so many cumulative experiences like that where yeah. I was like if I can get to the bottom of this I'll figure it out and then I never never did yeah when you come in con- into contact with this stuff with people that call themselves trans it's very clear yeah yeah and yeah I just thought that oh like there's a miss like there's a missing puzzle piece here like if I just read the right book right or I have the right conversation it's all going to fall into place. But then, like, the contradictions just kept getting... I, I remember trying so hard, you know, at the start of my PhD, I was like, oh, maybe Judith Butler's work is kind of about not having this freewheeling identity thing. And I remember even reviewing Gender Trouble f- for some magazine and trying to say that. And it was just such... It's just kind of a hope yeah. that this stuff wasn't as bad as it was and maybe I could interpret it differently in the end, I was like, no, it is. And that's it. Like, Judith Butler's an idiot and just going to have to concede that this person that everybody worships is an idiot, actually. 
on this question at least. And I remember just, you know, yeah, I met um, an older woman in 2016 or 2015, actually, and then became close to her in 2016. And, you know, she would talk about her son that thought he was a woman and how this had all started after he had a nervous breakdown Mm. after he graduated university and some woman had sexually rejected him and how he was, you know, really classically male in that he was just kind of an incel at home who would sleep during the day and stay up playing war games with other men in these kind of online video games. And he was really disturbed. I think he basically tried to shag his mother several times. Mm. And just, yeah, by that point, I was fully like... I remember even, you know, in 2014, I tweeted about it. I was like, oh, you know, can't we consider trans women like a subset of yeah. of women or men? Like if that could be a category, even of men, like a subset, somewhere, like a different category. Um, because I was trying to get it to fit together. And I was... I was really still a little bit, oh, I should use pronouns. Yeah. Until about 2017. I think it stopped at the end of 2017 after me, Maria McLaughlin got... Um, Battered. Well, yes. hit in Hyde Park. And then I saw all the left-wing groups I'd been involved with just absolutely trying to exonerate the man who hit her. I just thought, you know what? Like, I just can't be having this anymore and at that point i was like i'm never using pronouns again i'm never avoiding pronouns even i'm just i know what this is and i'm absolute about it now i remember even paris lee's quote like did a tweet about me being like oh i have 90 mutuals that follow this person and they're a turf and in 2016 i was like oh god i was like why is he doing that and just loads of people mess like tweeting me going Paris is a woman, trans women are women. I remember just being like, sure, okay. Like, I didn't have the confidence then to be like, no, he's a man. Yeah. But then about a year later, I did. Because you just think, it was also like, you were very much on your own in these things. Yeah. Other than private conversations. Yeah. And then slowly, slowly more women came out about this position. And I think now, you know, more than ever. So there's been a, there's been a, a peaking of other people gradually but I just, I always thought, you know, and I hated as well that people would assume that I was trans. This happened a lot. And I just didn't, I don't like the suggestiveness of it, basically. So, yeah. because it is encouraging you. So, like, one example I can think of is Polly Carmichael, the head at the time of Tavistock Gender mm. Identity Clinic. I was on my way to the launch of like some trans consultation in 2015. I was going there to meet Julia Long and a few other GC women and typical student. I was a bit late. So was Polly. We ended up in a lift together and she just looked at me and said, are you a service user? Yeah. Because who she was used to seeing was young, short haired lesbians that wore men's clothes. Yeah. So I fitted the profile and I said, uh, no. And then she said, oh, why are you here today? And I said, oh, I'm just interested. Obviously, I was there to make a criticism from the floor in the Q&A, but I wasn't going to tell that to her. And I didn't know who she was at the time. And then she walked up. I went to the audience and she walked up past the stage and sat at the panel with Polly Carmichael, head of Tavistock Gender Identity Clinic. But even this is so suggestive. And then just even like, you know, I would sleep with women and then sort of in the morning when you're like laying around, they'd say, oh, have you ever considered taking testosterone? Yeah. And I just think, but what, why? Why are you even asking me that? Was there something about the sex we had that made you think that I want to be a man? Yeah. I doubt it. And then and I'm just like, why? Why? Is it? And did the cotton ceiling question ever come up for you? No, none of that was really happening then. It did. And I remember talking to friends about it. For you. It came up for you. Well, I remember just, like, going to lesbian things and seeing men. And right. seeing that they would often just be on their own. Or there would be, like, fawning women around them. But they wouldn't go home with anyone. Right. Like, they weren't sleeping with anyone. They were just kind of there to be, like, on the scene. And I always thought it was really weird. And I remember just this one big honking man and he he was like trying to do a thing of like looking like a butch lesbian it was really bizarre and like 
I think I still have his number in my phone because he was like, here, we should go, we should go, um, we should go, like, mountain, we should go, uh, what's the, rock climbing together and da 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 But I remember the first thing that he said to me when he came to me, he was like, are you single? Are you single? Are you single? And I was like, oh no, no. And then he's like, oh, women are crazy these days. Women are so crazy. I love women. They, like, they come up to me, they can't get their, they can't get their hands off me. And I was like, right. Sure, dude. Yeah. And it was you just, wish. I remember talking to a, to a friend about it and she was like yeah like like I didn't realize that bringing it up was quite the taboo because I was never in like the queer scene so I didn't know so I had this quite queer cool friend and I was like oh but like you know clearly like lesbians are homosexuals like there's not like an expectation that like Mm. these men are sleeping with lesbians right like this is and just like her face went like white and I can't, I can't tell you how many interactions I had like that of like just trying yeah. to ask or like have the conversation. And yeah, this constant thing that like butch women were secretly men yeah. was just always there. And I had a girlfriend who worked at this like trendy coffee shop. And I remember I went to go like pick her up after her shift and I was like in the queue and there was this young like, quite gender-conforming, but very, like, I'm queer with the cool eyeliner girl. And she just kept referring to her with they. And it was, like, the second or third time, I was, like, Christy's a woman. Like, Christy's she. And, like, she just looked a bit horrified. But, like, all these different... Yeah. ...interactions that just built up over time. It's so so awkward and frustrating. I even remember having what I thought was a good conversation with someone at university. This must've been about, again, yeah, 2009. And I said, I don't identify as a woman. I am a woman. And she went around telling people, Jen doesn't identify as a woman. Wow. She just heard the first sentence. Wow. Because it made sense for her. I'm sure now she probably considers herself a non-binary wombat or whatever. But it was like, you couldn't get through. And I would get frustrated with people sometimes and just be like, no, I'm a woman. I really like my breasts. I like other women's breasts. I really like my body. I dress like this because I think it's like, I don't know, I'm comfortable like this. And I think it's attractive. It's like trying to get people over this. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. I think women that look like me are hot. I'm going for a certain look that I think is nice. I'm not like some reject who's trying to dress like a man because it's like, do I don't know how to dress like a woman. Yeah, exactly. It's like, no, no, I, I think this is good. Yeah. I like short hair on women. I like women that wear men's clothes. I like other kinds of women. But it's like, I'm not, I'm neither getting something wrong here in terms of femininity and I'm neither trying to opt out and be something else. And just a surprise when you'd be like, no, I like how I look. And if I didn't, I guess I'd change it. And then them just kind of realizing like, oh, self-esteem, confidence, likes your breath, like you don't want to chop your breasts off. And they'd just be so surprised. And I'd be like, I don't know if you've just not met a woman before who isn't riddled with insecurity, but there you go. We've met now. And I think another big thing for me was realizing how Western it was. Right. Because I remember dating a woman who wasn't, I dated a woman who wasn't um, from the West, basically. And she just was like, oh, no, but they're men, right? Like, like she didn't have the whole... Because, like, I think when you're in it, you kind of have, like, this anxiety and, like, am I using the right language? And, like, I have these objections, but, like, I don't know how to articulate it. But da-da-da-da-da. Oh, my God, I just remembered. I had a... When I worked at a coffee shop, I had, one like, a man who was a regular at the coffee shop and he went to a college that was around where the coffee shop was and we'd often have cigarette breaks together. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, this person's a woman, this person's a woman, definitely this person is a woman. I'm, I'm trying to make myself think this. I'm trying to make myself think this. I'm trying to make myself think this. And I could almost do, I can almost squish it in my mind to try and like, yes, this is a woman. But he would, and he wasn't, like a mean, yeah. horrible, bad person. But he would tell these jokes that were really, really sexual. That were really sexual and almost very sexually violent. Mm-hmm. And we'd be having these normal conversations. And then I would just be like, I've never... I remember one time we were told not to smoke our cigarettes in a particular area. 
And he was like, oh, I should just shove this cigarette up her pussy. Oh, my God. And I was like, whoa, like, this is just nothing I've heard. Out of any woman's mouth. Out of any woman's mouth. Like, and yeah, I think it was, like, and, and my girlfriend at the time about that friend was just like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a man. And I was like, oh, my God, the relief. Like, I've met yeah. another sane person. I remember even having a trans woman friend. This is in... 2010 when I was at LSE, I was working in the student union shop. Yeah. I always just had a bunch of jobs whenever I was a student to try and survive. And, yeah, I remember just getting to know him over, like, was always, like, the supervisor on shift. I think that was his role. He wasn't the manager. He was, like, the supervising staff member, and I was on the till. Anyway... Like, whatever, we kind of... He he was really nice to talk to, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously, I knew that, you know, he wasn't a woman. Yeah. Um, but it was fairly passing, and he definitely thinks he passed. Like, he came out to me as trans, like, a year after I knew him. And I just said, oh, yeah, like, cool, fine, whatever. I didn't want to go. Look, Tara, obviously, when I set eyes upon you, I knew this. Yeah. And I just remember going out with him and his boyfriend, who was also a trans woman. And I remember we were like, I don't know, went to the cinema or went for dinner. Like, and I was, it was just like being with two nice autistic men. Yeah, it's often what they're like. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the boyfriend was obsessed, had a special interest in Egyptology Mm. and had gone to Malaysia, I think, or Indonesia to join the communist group, which shot themselves in a foot with an (laughs) AK-47. Had to be sent home. Great. I'm sure you were really helpful to the rebel forces there. And then Tara was just seemed like a nice sort of soft man. And, you know, a bit of... I even remember buying some, like, lesbian comic thing for him. Yeah. Trying to be like, oh, you're a gay woman like me. This is, like, how cool I was with it. I just thought, oh, yeah, you just got to be nice. Mm. And I remember, yeah, just, like... I wish I had said, well, obviously I know that you're, that you're trans. Everyone knows Tarek. I remember once him sort of moaning to me about oh, society so transphobic. I overhear things and he got the op. He got bottom mm. surgery and said that he woke up to the nurses talking about how gruesome it is. And I kind of wanted to be like, well, society's not that transphobic because actually everyone knows you're trans. Everyone yeah. knows and you don't get any shit for it. Mm. So. But no, they were like, I remember going to like a restaurant with them and like we left because they couldn't tolerate like the kids running around. Just like, yeah, (laughs) just things that men would be much more, you know, was obsessed with Star Trek, was really into kind of fantasy fiction stuff, just was an autistic guy. And he'd had a really bad time at school for just being, I think, a bit soft, still lived at home with his parents in his 30s. Had managed to find another funny bunny to be with, basically. Yeah. And they were together. And I just thought, oh, yeah, fine, whatever. And so we hung out a bit. And then I remember I posted Rebecca, what's her name? Rebecca Riley Cooper. Okay. I don't know. She's a a GC woman who is a bit more off the scene now, but she was a lecturer. She did a very good PowerPoint presentation. I posted, so I posted one gender critical link on Facebook and he de-added me. And that was it. Yeah. Because there can never be... This is the thing. This is what Lacan even says about any psychotic delusion. There is no room for doubt. Yes. There's often doubt about whether you love someone or doubt about your own abilities or doubt about things you want, doubt about all kinds of ambiguity, ambivalence. When something is predicated on absolute lie, it's a structure that can't account for doubt. I think that's what you and my... you and other women I've talked to who've, you know, are gender critical or whatever, there's a period where you think, oh, but everyone else is reasonable like me. So there has to be some room for like, okay, but they're not really women, but it's like a very polite lie that we can tell. And like, you know, like maybe in some circumstances, there isn't any room for that. And as you like be- realize that there isn't any room for that, mm-hmm. it make, it just, it makes the whole thing. Yeah. Seem bullshit. But even what I'm talking about was was like half a decade before there was even talk of reforming yeah. the Equality Act and including gender identity in, in a self-ID sense. And so there wasn't a consequence 
in my mind. I didn't see e- even these men going. I really didn't see them going to lesbian spaces. Yeah, and apart from from that time onwards, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, I think when I realized it wasn't, I think the transbian thing was huge for me because I was just like, but this is a polite lie we tell to gender non-conforming gay people who aren't comfortable with being gay. And when I realized that it was straight people who were doing it, and more and more of my straight female friends, often after having a a traumatic experience with a woman, or with a man, Mm. very often after leaving a relationship that ended badly, or I had one friend who left a properly abusive, like, he battered her, he raped her, a terrible relationship, was in a shelter, the whole thing who, like, two weeks later was non-binary. And I just kept seeing that sort of thing happen. And once I realized, I think that the nail in the coffin was like, oh, this is not a polite lie we're telling gender non-conforming gay people because they have internalized homophobia and have a hard time. The more straight people, and then my, as I met more of them and saw more of them, my objections got, and then I tried harder and harder to reach out to people to be like, explain this to me. And the fear about using the wrong language, I remember at a pride thing and then we're talking about cuba because i was with the cuba communist cuba solidarity group at the time and i remember someone saying gender reassignment surgery and i said oh no it's actually we're supposed to say gender confirmation surgery like this is how much i was trying mm. i was like if i can use the right language and the right thing it'll all fall into place and then i think like yeah after i started my expedition on like but why are women oppressed under capitalism what's the theoretical reason for this and then it was all about reproduction, the whole thing kind of fell apart. Right. And being with a woman who was just not from the West and was like, well, all this is nonsense. Like, why are you getting yourself head up about this? Yeah. It's so crazy that then the laws were meant to accommodate this stuff when it just never seemed valid at the time. And honestly, I mean... Just looking back, you know, that so I was the LGBT officer technically as an undergrad at Goldsmiths. And then I found out 10 years later that the LGBT society's main vocation was organizing the asexual disco once a month. I just thought, what? How's this good for anyone gay? Yeah. I just, you know, like a lot of people, went on a bit of a sex marathon once I got to university. And I thought, an asexual disco? Like, I can't think of anything worse. Well, that's the other thing. I always knew that the other additions to the Alphabet Mafia were nonsense. Like, I could never yeah, yeah. I could never buy into the rest of it. But T was holding on by a thread. And I was just <laughs> like, I need to find some yeah. confirmatory thing about T. What did you think about queer? Because, again, I just thought this is narcissistic nonsense. And the socialist group I was part of would argue against it. I remember I was meant to go to an, an LGBT student conference and speak against it, and I didn't end up going in the end. But they were really, they were, like, you know, the Socialist Works Party used to argue against it until about probably the mid-2010s. They did an event recently, I saw a poster about, um, oh, queer theory versus Marxism, is there really a contradiction? Mm. So they've really gone the opposite it's direction. Gone the total opposite way. Yeah, I just thought it was an umbrella term, and I thought, okay, maybe people don't like saying LGBT. I remember even thinking, if this is an umbrella and people yeah. are saying that I fit underneath it, I guess gender nonconformity of any kind is but here. But then again, but I didn't want to have to think about it. But then again, the straight people, and when the straight people start calling, and I remember having a conversation with a woman. She's just like, "Oh, I just like the word queer because it's not defined." And I remember thinking, "You don't want to define it because you're straight." Yeah. And once I kind of, I just was like, well, this is a, I, I also was understanding this is a straight party people, this is a party straight people want to attend. Yeah. And then when I kind of put that together, I was like. I oh. remember sort of incel weird wizard men arguing, oh, we want to be able to go to LGBT conference. P should be there, polyamorous. Mm. And this kind of thing. I mean, it probably is now, but just seeing all of that happen and you know before stonewall took the trans thing on they were called transphobic repeatedly yeah that was a big thing in circulation at the time among students was stonewall or transphobic because they won't take on trans issues that was the other thing that kind of peaked me or put me up the peaking mountain was i'd hear, hear so and so is transphobic 
and then I would investigate it, and often it would they would have said something like, oh, well, there's only two sexes, or, like, I don't understand what non-binary means, and then I'd be like, oh, is yeah. that, does that qualify? You know, when I was... This is literally when I was at LGBT officer at Goldsmiths, I went to my first lecture of the year and then there was a seminar after and I already knew who the lecturer was and then you just get allocated a seminar right and I went in the name on the the seminar for the for who was leading the seminar was a female name and I went in and it was a guy with long hair with tattoos in biker gear and I nearly put my hand up and said I think I'm in the wrong seminar and I just thought just hold your breath and then the guy turned around and said, hello, my name's Louise. And it was it's Louise Chambers at Goldsmith that was sleeping with a 19-year-old student of his. And the student just got made to change course. But because he identifies as trans, there was never an investigation. Was this the guy with his dick on things and took pictures of it? No, that's in NUS. That's oh. a guy called Jess in NUS who yeah. made a blog where he, yeah, exposes genitals at work and then put it on a website yeah these are the kinds of <laughs> things that would happen and many people are listening going why didn't you whatever but you have to keep in mind i think for jen and for myself is that we weren't i don't i wouldn't have i wouldn't have really called myself a feminist even if i were someone were to ask i would say yeah i'm a feminist but i wasn't really a feminist some, some years i did some years i didn't it depended really who i was around and whether i was very involved in those politics i mean like i chained myself to a miss university contest yeah. in 2009 because i was part of the feminist society and then i graduated and i wasn't so it's just really what circles you're in and what emphasis there is in your political thought but the thing is as well is these things happen and it's only really when they start to stack up. I remember even in 2000, you know, 14, 15, saying to people, oh, I just think most trans people want to get on with their lives. Again, this idea of the liberal narrative of yeah. there's just a normal trans person out there for whatever reason is uncomfortable in their own body and they just prefer to live like X and Y. And if that was all it was, it'd be like, oh, yeah, well, what's the big deal? What's the beef? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I never got it. And I never, I never, I don't know if I ever bought that. I thought they were mentally ill people who were like sad about being gay. I I thought that a lot as well. And so I just thought like, okay. And I kept trying to have these conversations with people and I kept being. But I, but I did even drag. I just thought it was ludicrous. Like the drag kings were the ones that I would encounter. And just this emphasis on, yeah, this fake performance thing. I thought, sorry, I'm going to get big radical feminist cancelled, but I thought drag was quite fun. Drag queens. Okay. Like, I like had a friend who was a drag queen, and I thought it was a quite I mean, some of them thing. are like comedians, right? Whatever. Yeah, it was fun, and drinking. Do and, a show. Yeah. I, I kind of knew, though, that so much of the LGBT stuff was so insane. I remember hearing about that some drag queen comedian in Soho, some friends of mine had gone to see him perform, and then one of these people in the group that they went out with, he'd made some biphobic jokes and this woman like ran to the stage and occupied it in the name of bisexual people and had to be dragged off the stage. Jeez. And I just hear this stuff and be like, you're all insane. Yeah, I heard a lot of, I just thought, I heard similar stories of insanity and yeah. thought like the best thing to do with these insane people is to just be really nice to them, <laughs> you know. And uh, and accommodate them apart from legally and actually in services. Well, yeah, and I didn't. I don't think I fully understood either that you can't have gender identity and sex in law. Yeah. I didn't fully understand that. I thought, well, why can't you just have both? But also, you think trans women are just these soft men? Yeah, and I thought. I thought they were soft yeah. gay men. I thought. I, I when I it really fall the transbians made it fall apart for me. I think that's really right. my peaking. Is that I really thought they were. I thought they were all homosexual, transsexuals. Yeah. And it just wasn't a big issue. There was a trans woman that worked in the socialist workers' office, I think called Emma, Emma Rock. And no one talked about it. Yeah. And I don't know his backstory because I just never got to know him at all. But I think was another like autistic guy. Yeah. And it just, honestly, it's hard to believe it. Like, it just wasn't on the agenda till, say, 2012, and then definitely from 2014. 2014 was a huge jump 
for yeah. sure. There was a huge jump in 2014. 2014 to 2016 is where things started to get crazy. And then I kind of was like, well, someone needs to explain this to me. And nobody yeah. could. It was such a relief to find other women that you could speak to about it. And I kind of, I think, subconsciously knew they were there. Because I thought these women are so correct about prostitution. And I remember getting into roaring arguments with people about prostitution over this because I was so convinced and I just thought like I think as well because I'd had some experiences of being treated like a man in a micro level kind of way so I remember getting an internal flight in Venezuela in 2008 and they kept avoiding taking my passport because I needed to book a ticket so I'd got a flight there and I needed to actually buy a ticket in the airport and these women kept just like serving other people. And I was like, what's going on? And I didn't really know Spanish. And I just rem- remember sort of insisting at one point, kind of going up to the front and it was communicated to me that they were saying, children can't fly on their own. <laughs> <laughs> Jen also looks very, very young for her age. Well, they, they thought that I was like, I don't know what it was, it's 14 or 16, whatever the rules were, I was not up to the 18 or the 16, whatever it was to fly on your own. But it was so strange. It's like, just check my fucking passport. But they thought I was a boy who was developing as a teenager, right? And I remember this being communicated to me and this old man in front of me said, oh, he really tried to save my dignity. And he went, oh, how old are you? And I said like, oh, 20. And he was like, Oh, ha, ha. He probably has a wife. You have a wife? And I said, yes. And he said, oh, ha, ha. He has a wife. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I was yeah. like, oh, 21. Actually, I was 21. But, and, and so he was, and I thought, oh, it's funny how men do that for each other. So I'd kind of had these insights of the way that men treated each other, like with dignity. Mm. And I had some inkling to like, well, that's not how I'm treated when I'm read as a woman, when I'm right. like being sexually harassed on the bus or. Right. at a cash point or whatever and I was very aware that I was not I, that my whole my whole life really I'd been treated more like a woman and so I just never I just don't know how people delude themselves and I also don't really understand like why people just don't grow up because you might want to be involved in the subculture but it seems like today this kind of youth subculture stuff lasts until you're 30 35 yeah. Whereas for me, it was very like, yeah, but, you know, that lasts at best to your uh, very early 20s. And so I just stopped going out to gay clubs. And I, so I didn't see its emergence in those spaces in the way that you did. Yeah. I always just thought, yeah, it's mentally ill people and this is like being nice is to accommodate them. But the demands just kept getting more and more insane and, like, the contradictions, and I remember kind of thinking, like, oh, but non-binary, but you want to be binary, you want to move from one binary to another, like, one part of the binary to another, like, isn't that a contradiction? And just asking these questions and always yeah. getting these, like, horrified replies. I didn't understand that either, because I thought, but if if being female doesn't define you anyway, why will trying to be male... And I just kept thinking, why are people uncomfortable with their bodies? Like, you can change your body by going to the gym or, I don't know, doing whatever. And I just really thought of it as people with problems. Yeah. And I didn't like that people assumed I was trans as if I had a problem with myself. And that even when I insisted I didn't, it was Mm. as if I was, like, in denial. Yeah. It's like, I'm not fucking in denial. Yeah. I can't, you know, I look how I look. I like how I look. I'm just gay. Yeah. That's it. Just like, <laughs> and also they don't like that there's just a short story. It's yeah. like, and I think that I already had a kind of significant life narrative that I didn't need to adopt one. Mm. And yeah, I just thought it was really girly, actually, not having a great sense of yourself, always being about appearance, playing kind of these catty games of who passes more and who doesn't. Like, I remember, um, you know, that woman Gemma sort of saying, oh, the front of your throat sticks out more than mine. It's like you've got more of an Adam's apple than me. I was like, I don't have an Adam's apple at all. She was like, oh, your voice is lower than mine. I was like, yeah, well, I'm from the north of England. Eight-year-olds sound like Barry White there. Yeah. (laughs) Like compared to northerners, I'm not like this at all, uh, a lot of them. And yeah, just the like, 
why is the constant self-critique, being insecure, looking at yourself? And it really was the opposite of then how I'd see, you know, conf- the confident young men that they yeah. thought that they were deep inside. I was like, well, I've spoken to you and you're nothing like that. You're like an insecure woman who's obsessed with how you look. The fact that you don't wear makeup to, say, organise that and, you know, I don't know, make yourself look better in your own eyes... You're just doing it in a different way. Yeah. It's all the same. You're just doing body modification in a different way. And yeah, I just, I thought it was so unappealing. Yeah. I, uh, I just thought these are like Tumblrite identity politics, insane people, but like we can accommodate them by just being very nice because a lot of them are really mentally ill. And I think when I realized that when they said trans women are women, they really meant it. And they were willing to call women who disagreed fascists. I was like, this is insane. What am I missing here? And then I think I went through a period of like, well, I just won't talk about it. And I could just like get on with my life. But then it became more and more unavoidable as I just started asking more questions about women and women's position in society. And basically I was becoming a feminist. Mm. And like, as I be- it became harder and harder and just knowing that, yeah, there are the, like, I was like, Gila Kerner at Rape Relief seems very reasonable. They're not even making any kind of bold claims. They're just saying that there's, like, these people with different experiences and they just want the women who have the same experiences of being raised as women, like, what's the problem? And never getting a satisfactory answer other than you're a bigot. Mm. And I was like, I just don't think I am a bigot. I don't think I am. And then you, there's a... You have these moments where you're like, am I going insane? Am I the only insane one? I remember once in an argument about trans stuff in 2012 where I was also just asking questions. I wasn't really anti. And a friend of mine tried to defend me and said, look, she is trans. As if, like, then I'd be allowed to ask questions. Yeah. And I just remember, like, looking at her being like, okay, I guess she's trying to back me in this argument, so I just won't say anything. But it's as if once you had the trans card, you could do whatever you wanted. Yeah. So I could ask questions about this stuff. If I was allocated the trans card, the same way Louise Chambers could have sex with his students because he was allocated the trans card. Yeah. But other male members of staff would have been investigated. And I started to see that it was a thing that was really adopted or allocated to you as a way to move. Well, for men, it was to move their behavior beyond critique. And in that circumstance, with this debate we were having, it was to move my speech beyond critique. Because it's always women that are got out for what they're saying right yeah and i just thought this is such a strange thing this was becoming like the golden this is becoming the ace card you can play yeah yeah so anyway. there you go so that's how we peaked we peaked yeah i think i had like another conversation about the cotton ceiling and then i had the well you're just becoming like megan murphy and then that was and then you googled megan murphy and that was it yeah All right, well, thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Okay, bye-bye.